Welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we are discussing Galaxy Quest, the 1999 comedy film starring Tim 1999? Allen. 1999? 1999. Sorry. It's okay. I didn't think it was that long ago. <laughs> uh, this is starring Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, the late Alan Rickman. It also has actors Tony, Sh- I don't know how to say his last name, Shaloub. Um, I'm hoping that's right. Sam Rockwell, Daryl Mitchell, Enrico Colantoni, um, a whole bunch of familiar faces. That what's his face in it too? Who's who's in Discovery? Yes, absolutely. What's his face? Um, you have to be more specific with which what's his face you're talking about. Who played Mud in Discovery? Oh. Not to my knowledge. I feel like one of the aliens looked like him. I think... Is it the guy who dies in um, Alan Rickman's arms? I don't think... Just... I'm just gonna look it up. Just give me one quick moment here. Okay. If I am wrong... No, yeah. Rain Wilson in his film debut as Lonk. Another Thermian. I knew something. You're welcome, everyone. It happens so seldom (laughs) on this show. Great catch. I don't even see his name listed on the IMDb cast. Oh, yeah, way down at the bottom. Okay. I guess it's more of like a trivia than an actual casting. I only remember him having the one line. (laughs) Okay, but I I still... Mm. I didn't catch it at all, so... It was in the limo that I recognized him, so right at the beginning. Oh, okay. Okay. Um... All right, where I'm lost my place. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so no, that's okay. I didn't. I just realized I didn't really have a place I was reading off of. So, uh, so yeah. So we watched Galaxy Quest. Kate has never seen it, and I have seen it many, many times. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Are, do we have any announcements to go get into? No. No. Okay. No announcements this week. <laughs> so, Kate. How did you enjoy Galaxy Quest? Um, hmm. It was good. I don't think I loved it the way you do. Okay. But it was an enjoyable romp. All right. Did you recognize many of the catchphrases that people have used from it? And, like, I'm sure you had to be familiar with some parts of it. Like, by Grapthar's hammer and... Nope. Uh, never give up, never surrender. I mean, that I've definitely heard before, mm-hmm. but I feel like it it could have, like, that is not necessarily a Galaxy Quest original. Okay. See, I find so much of this Although, so quotable. 1999. Maybe it is. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure much of it is. But, I don't know, like... I'm I'm just sure that the phrase never give up and never surrender is not like nobody else has ever thought of it. Right. True. But possibly when I have heard it, it is people quoting Galaxy Quest. You want to know something fun? So What's that? I don't know why. I had it in my head that this was on Netflix. It is not. Mm-hmm. Or at least it's not mm-hmm. on Canadian Netflix. So then I was like, okay... Um, but I was already set up on my PlayStation, so I just rented it from the PlayStation store, mm-hmm. which is like five bucks, so not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But like as I hit confirmed payment, I had this vision come mm-hmm. to me of the DVD on our DVD shelf. <laughs> I didn't go double check because I didn't want to know. Okay. And I'm pretty sure we own it. That you Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I haven't done anything quite that way, but, like, I definitely know that I own a hard copy of the book Dune. Mm-hmm. And then we we're going to read it, and so I downloaded the ebook from the library. That's that's normal, though, because, like, it's two different situations, you know? Like, well, that's fair. It's not like I went and got the physical book from the library. Yeah. 
That would like, be more comparable. I, I like to read physical books at home, but I get digital books on my phone, which are very convenient to read on a bus because I can do it if I'm standing or or sitting, right? I don't mm. need to be... Yes. It's dif- more difficult to whip out a physical book. I just said whip out. Jesus. <laughs> to take out a physical book on a bus. Yes. But I am glad that you generally enjoyed it. It was enjoyable, yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like it'd be more enjoyable watching in a group. For sure. Yeah, than sitting alone, watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Devouring a bag of delicious chips. Mm. Chips. I, I did watch it alone for this rewatch. But I'd seen it so many times with people mm-hmm. that it was just so fun and enjoyable still. Also, I don't yeah. like Tim Allen's face. Like that whole situation. Like, yeah. I look at him and I just think, you're an asshole. And, um, yes, I, I believe that's been confirmed. <laughs> that he, he is we kind of a conservative asshole. Yeah, we did some research into it. Which just we, makes we me did so Google. much more upset that he gets to kiss a Gurney Weaver. Like, I'm sorry, that is a privilege. And mm-hmm. he should have kept his lips to himself. Oh, I've got some fun, fun trivia. Um, so... Tim Allen w- admitted that he was apparently quite starstruck when he met Sigourney Weaver, as he's okay. a huge fan of Alien. Mm-hmm. And then he even got her to sign some of his Alien memorabilia between takes. And it says, she ultimately did, but she wrote on it, stolen by Tim Allen, loves Sigourney Weaver, which she said made him very upset. And I just want to high five Sigourney Weaver right now. That is very good. I it's especially also- like how it said... She ultimately did, leading me to believe that maybe he was harassing her a bit for it. Mm. Until the harassment point came up, I was thinking a little bit better of Tim Allen. Because, I mean, if you worship Sigourney Weaver, then, you know, Mm -hmm. you must be Mm -hmm. a little smart. I mean, I'm reading a lot into, you know, these three words. Yeah, maybe he was just pestering. Maybe, yeah. Or maybe it was just like he asked and then, like... Before he could get the memorabilia for her to sign, something like they had to go film or something came up or like, yeah. you know, it just, you know, they talked about it a bunch, but it, uh, you know, didn't happen right away. That could be. Either way, I'm sorry she had to kiss him. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, looking at the movie with a feminist perspective... It, it has some good points. Like, it's a very meta type of movie. Mm-hmm. It's very aware of, of the rules that it's paying homage to and things like that. And so, and she points it right out, like, explicitly with some of her lines. But then there are all, like, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. No. Um, and then there are only two women, and they are, like... The love interest, of course. Yeah. Like, they have to have a romantic arc. And she has to have, like, an ever-plunging neckline. (laughs) And deteriorating suit. I get why it would make sense to only have one woman in the cast of the TV show, but all the aliens could have been women. Yeah, and one of the things that I was thinking about was the fan group that helps them ultimately... Oh, yeah. Um, the the girl in that fan group gets, like, no lines. Yep. Well, girls don't actually go to conventions, and they're not actually fans of Star Trek. You know right. this. I totally know this. I was not at, like, nine Star Trek conventions over my youth, and I did not see, like... Yeah. Exactly. Oops, sorry. She, she was just the dude's girlfriend who was there in support, but really wanted to be at the mall. Yeah, not I that there's anything wrong with the mall. That's right. That's right. And I mean, stereotypically, um, their portrayal of the guys being the ones who are incredibly, like, into the technical minutia, Hmm. that does tend to bear out over the fandom research that I have read, which has not been exhaustive. Um, The girl fans tend to be more into the creative aspects and fan fiction and more concerned about the possibilities of character arcs and different storylines and things like that. Whereas the male fans tend to be more 
concerned with like, let's figure out the schematics of this ship and let's, you know, f- this, this equation didn't make sense in the script of the show. And now we have to figure out what the correct thing was and, and discussing those sort of details. I can see but, where that's true. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, A, that kind of sucks for men too, because mm-hmm. the creative parts of fandom are the best. Which is not to say that men don't also get involved in fanfic. I know some men who do. That's great. That's wonderful. And I think a lot of the reason behind this uh, stereotypical split that we see mm-hmm. is social constructions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, you know, I think that definitely has a part to play in that. One of the reasons women find fanfic appealing and liberating is because it lets us explore things we can't do in real life. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of fan insertion there because it's like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, you can serve on a starship and there's no glass ceiling. And and to, to dwell a little bit more on the patriarchy here, I will say that in fandom, like if you're if you're deep into a fandom or so I have noticed myself, I've not done any research. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, you know, favorite fan artists are always women. But then the ones who get money and jobs and, you know, uh, a lot of, what's the word, support, I suppose, from actual creators are always men. Hmm. That's very interesting. Um, when I was going to conventions, I wasn't into fan art at the time. Mm. So I was young. Hi. Even just, just recently at uh, Emerald City Comic Con, mm-hmm. there was almost like a physical divide in the artist's alley of like, here are all the women and queer artists and here are all the men who have actual jobs, <laughs> like with Marvel or, you know, whatever. And right. <laughs> like you could, there was a difference in the feel in, in different sides of the room. Wow. I want to go to conventions now and, and pay attention to these kinds of things. It, it's not always that way. And it has changed a lot recently, mm-hmm. I think. Or maybe this is just in my own social circles, I don't know. But um, I do notice a lot more women and queer artists getting jobs with, you know, the official companies and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, even like four, four or five years ago, it was not that way. Well, I'm glad to see it's moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know if it's moving or if I am just personally becoming more aware of where mm. I want to direct my attention. Right. Gotcha. Anyways, we can get into the actual movie instead of just nerd culture. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I think that I feel like this movie succeeds because it does a fairly good job of also portraying the nerd culture. Yeah. Because like it is, it starts at a convention, it ends at a convention, um, some of the convention fans are pivotal in starting off Nesmith's character arc mm-hmm. and then also in like the resolution to the final action part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, and I feel like it's been such a successful movie because it did a fairly good job of portraying uh, fan culture in a way that wasn't mean-spirited. Yes. Um, I mean, like, so the bathroom scene at the convention, when Nesmith walks in and hears the teenagers ragging on the whole thing, basically, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder, why are you there? Yeah, conventions are not cheap. No, no. Um, although I did, like, this could just be, like, a fact, uh, a factor of, how early it was made in the convention scene, because Mm. I definitely went to a few like Vancouver conventions that were not as, um, did not have as much guarded access. Uh. So like if they were staying at the hotel incidentally for something, they could have been like wandering through and maybe not gotten into panels and things like that, but there would have been like overlapping areas where they would have wandered through. I've had the opposite experience coming from San Diego Comic-Con, where security is holy shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the men's room scene with Tim Allen 
again, it mirrors an actual event in William Shatner's life that he described about himself when he attended a 1986 convention. That he went into a bathroom and it was all his fans. And now they were, like, ragging on him. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And how all the co-stars can't stand him. <laughs> this movie has a lot of good trivia, so I've just got the, the trivia page open from IMDb, so I'll just okay. be throwing these in as they become pertinent. As somebody who's been to conventions a lot... Mm-hmm. Like, I felt that that scene was accurate as I was once um, in, like, just watching a panel with some authors, and then I went to the bathroom after the panel, but ended up following one of those authors into the bathroom, and I felt super creepy doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that speaks like, well of you. <laughs> We're both just going to the bathroom, though. So, <laughs> so I, I did feel an accurateness in that scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you have a few sort of, like, opposite points about the depiction of conventions and things like that. Oh. Well, I get that it was a movie, but no actor ever has shown... Okay, one actor that I can think of, actually, um, has shown up to a panel that I have personally seen. Oh, I can think of two now. Oh, shit. They were both, like... Oh, fuck. Well, anyways, (laughs) I don't understand why they would have been in full costume and full makeup. Yeah, that is a little odd. Like, all the Star Trek conventions I've been to, none of the actors showed up in costume or makeup. Partly just because, like, they don't personally apply their makeup. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, exactly. They're, they're, so, like, the convention would pay for them to come and then also pay for their makeup artists to come? And, and the prosthetics, which technically are not their property but the property of the studio yeah the Um, two that i have seen uh it was like very clearly publicity stunts that the studios arranged and paid for right right so that part doesn't make sense but the uh the headpiece that alan rickman wears Mm -hmm. um he never removes it through the whole film yeah that's even in, this, even in the scene where he's at home talking on the phone to Gwen DeMarco, he's still wearing it in his <laughs> kitchen. Maybe he's an actual alien. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and Alan Rickman actually hates sci-fi, but he couldn't resist doing the part in the film because the material was so funny. Yeah. So. And I just feel like we're lucky that he said yes because he was perfect in it. Yeah, he was really good. But, okay, do you feel... Mm -hmm. I realize we can't, like, ring up Alan Rickman for, like, more than one reason Mm -hmm. um, about this. But do you think he didn't like acting in sci-fi or that he didn't like watching sci-fi? In this trivia tidbit, it said that he hated sci-fi as a genre. Mm, Which, to me, is pretty all-encompassing. So then, I don't know, that just doesn't even make sense to me at all why he would take that role. I mean, IMDb is not necessarily, you know, the most correct internet page. Yes, correct. But if you look at his other filmography, like he's been in, well, the Die Hard movies, famously, which was an action film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, The Harry Potter franchise, of course, that's fantasy, not sci-fi. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, Robin Hood, which, again, historical. Mm-hmm. I can't. A lot of the other pieces I think he's been in have been, like, more historical period pieces. Although he um, does he does like comedy. He does. He was in, um... Shit. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do know the movie Shit, you know. <laughs> okay. A. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, I know I've seen that, but I don't remember. He's, he's the, the depressed robot. Marvin the Paranoid Android. There we go. So the movie I was trying to think of was Dogma, which, again, not really sci-fi, oh, yeah. but not. Um, well, it's know, not a period drama. Yes. <laughs> My takeaway from it is that he isn't, or he wasn't snobby about genre films or like genre pieces in general. It was just sci-fi wasn't his cup of tea, mm-hmm. and I can live with that. That's totally fine. It's just if. The actors and 
and people who are snooty about like genre not being good literature. Yeah. That I find to be elitist gatekeepers. So I can be happy with the fact that he doesn't particularly care for sci-fi. But he has done the two, at least, sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, I've, again, Loki aside, I've never seen anybody in full costume on a panel. No, me either. So this was definitely just done for the movie mm-hmm. effects. And yeah, in fact, sometimes when I see the, like, f- thinking back to my experience going to tar- Star Trek conventions, there were times when I legitimately almost didn't recognize the actors mm-hmm. because they look so different just in street clothes and not all made up for the screen. Yeah. Even ones that don't have crazy prosthetics can look quite different. Yeah. And then there was the signing scene after that, which was also all wrong. Like This year, the expert on, because I never got signatures. Well, like, you just, you wouldn't have everything all in one room like that. There would be mass crowds and fire codes would be broken. Everybody would die. When Sigourney Weaver, like, briefly leaves her seat to go for a photo shoot with people dressed up like her. Oh my god, There would be no. a riot. <laughs> there would be a riot. There would have been 10,000 more women dressed up like her. You would mm-hmm. need your own special place for that, which would be arranged, and somebody would have escorted her. And also, if she left a line up, like, there's a lineup waiting to get to her, and she just walks away? And those people what? paid money. That was just all wrong, and I didn't like it. Right. And, like, and they have, like, a talking scene in there? That would never happen. You don't have time. You're talking to your fans. They paid to be there. Talk to your fans. Even if it's yeah, just hello and goodbye. That's all they want. That's the reason you're getting paid to be there. Yeah. Because those people are paying for tickets and signing opportunities. Yeah. They were being kind of rude to their fans. But I feel like going forward after the movie, they will be much better at future conventions. Well, also, it was just a poorly run con. Well, true. True. Now, should we get into the actual part where they're saving the Thermians and the universe? I did enjoy the Thermians. They were good. It's funny. I The Thermians, I've always found enjoyable. I found on this watch through, I was a lot more, I was looking at it a lot more critically and just thinking that I don't know if the movie, if it were made today, if the same sort of depiction would be found funny um i believe i'm just trying to find the tidbit because i think like and what i mean specifically is that the the physical presentation of them their speech patterns things like that could be seen as like having mocking overtones of who? Of of people who are d- disabled. Oh, yes. Okay, I can see that. Yes. Yeah. And I, I believe that part... I'm just trying to scroll through to find it. Because I think that was just something that Enrico Colantoni did. I'm just trying to find it in the trivia. Um... But anyways, regardless of whether it was like the director who put them made them that way or if it was just, you know, the actor did it and everybody thought it was funny at the time. I was thinking if if that were a movie being made right now, I could see that going horribly horribly wrong. Yeah. So I I feel it's like a little dated and you know, when I make my kids watch this eventually, they might not find it very funny that part of it anyways yeah i actually it's an interesting thought it's hard to imagine it i suppose you know like take it out of Mm -hmm. its own time period um especially since i didn't get that feeling like nobody treated them like they were disabled you know what i mean yeah and i might like 
This may be me being overly sensitive to it. This may be me being very underly sensitive to it since I am very privileged in that sense. So Right. Right. Um I just and it could just be because well, anyway. I, I've been trying to think more of more critically of my media and how it depicts things like ableism mm-hmm. as well as because uh, that often gets overlooked even by critics. Yes. So that was the one thing of about the, the depiction of the Thermians that kind of irritated me. But now turning the topic lighter. Mm hmm. After having seen those classic Star Trek episodes, yes, did you see the clear parallels they were working off of in Galaxy Quest? Okay, yes, I think mm-hmm. I would have seen it anyways, even if you hadn't tortured me that way. I just want to throw that out there. I just feel like you appreciate it so much more now. Well, I'm glad you were comforted by <laughs> that thought. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of very, very direct Star Trek references in in the plot of the Thermians. Um, in one part where Commander Taggart loses his shirt, it's a, a clear nod to the Star Trek. And they even pointed out in the story, oh, there goes the shirt again. <laughs> Apparently the rock monster... Um, was something that they'd wanted to use in Star Trek V, and they didn't have the budget for it. Mm-hmm. So that is why they use that. And there's even a suggestion that when they're eating the food that's been prepared based on their regional cuisine, Commander Taggart has Iowa beef, and James Kirk is from Iowa. Right. And, yeah, lots and lots of direct nods to Star Trek. I remember watching the like opening of the movie when they're showing the scene from the TV show mm-hmm. and thinking like, like they sort of did Tim Allen up in such a way where I could see that he was supposed to be good looking, but I don't find him good looking at all, which is exactly mm-hmm. how I feel about William Shatner. <laughs> Agree. A hundred percent. I've, <laughs> I've never found Tim Allen good looking. I don't find young Kirk good looking. Like I know some people are like, oh, young Kirk is fine. I appreciate how William Shatner has aged. I feel like he has aged okay, but he's still said enough rude, clueless, and generally offensive things for me to not view him as attractive at all. Sorry, William Shatner. Oh, I'm sure he listens. He'll block us on Twitter. See, I don't even know about any of uh, anything that William Shatner has ever said. Um, he didn't but- know the concept of fridging at a convention and like made a very off tone joke. And somebody was like, uh, one of the women at Warp podcasters kind of took him to task for it. And then the women at Warp podcast got dropped from the network, the podcasting network it was on because of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Because William Shatner complained. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what the podcaster said at the convention was maybe not the most tactful. But yeah, he will still like, you know, complain and make threats to like that. He's He's not well representing his country of origin. But that's fine. I don't think many people know where he was born. So it's fine. No, but I... Yeah, yeah. I do think he is also, like, a typical man in his 70s and 80s. Yeah. I encounter many of them who have similar sorts of peaks of anger and behave accordingly. Anyways, my point was that I didn't know mm-hmm. about any of his of this, and I still don't find him good-looking, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was accurate for Tim Allen to basically just be there looking like a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my favorite scene in the whole movie mm-hmm. is definitely when the kid is piloting the ship for the first time, taking it out, <laughs> and there's that long extended squeak. <laughs> that's yeah, my favorite. That's and everybody's like leaning. Mm-hmm. Like, if only we could lean, we could tilt the ship enough, or like make him somehow 
steer correctly. Mm-hmm. That was your favorite? Yep. I have lots of favorite scenes. I will say it's my favorite. It, like, I really like that that piece of writing where, like, something funny happens and then they just milk it until it's not funny, but then they milk it so it's funny again. <laughs> yep. Like, as famously represented in The Simpsons with the rake. But I, I really like that joke. Okay. Awesome. That was a very good scene. Mm-hmm. I have to say a lot of my favorite scenes are Sigourney Weaver's and Quinta Marcos, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially when she points out the blatantly obvious things. Like she points out that she didn't have a real job on the ship and the job she had was stupid. And she points out when they're going through to like deactivate the whatever, blah, 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 techno babble here. And they have to go through this, you know, the underbelly of the ship and cross this plank with no railing. And then there's chompers. And she points out, like, why is this here? These things serve no purpose except to torture us. And, like, there is a lot of that in, like, TV shows in general. Yeah. And sci-fi in particular. And this is just what happens when you have this, you know, TV show that they translated into real life and made work somehow. And so I love that she gets to be the that voice of reason where it's like, you know, and then she points out this episode was badly written. And yeah, even the countdown when they're they're counting down and he presses the button and nothing happens and they think they're going to blow up. And then they point out that, oh, yeah, it always stopped when it got to one. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I mean, we never hit it at six seconds in the show. So why would they make it stop before one? I also really liked um, when she actually started repeating everything the computer said, and then she was like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty hilarious, too. Um, I liked the other female character as well, but I thought it was very like typical of the 90s, early 2000s, how she didn't really get to do much except for be a romance for she the engineer. She wasn't really involved in the romance. She just stared at him until they made out. Yeah, she like made eyes at him. Yeah. And then they did kissing and then they had that moment where they're leaving and her commander like realizes that they're leaving together and they don't say any words. She just goes off to be his assistant on the show. His his sex life. Well, his tentacle sex she, life. She has agency. Yeah, the tentacles Not on are good. Earth. Not on Earth. She doesn't have an ID. She doesn't have anything. She can't go anywhere. She's stuck with him no matter what. She's oh, his tentacle yeah. sex life. Those are some excellent points. Because, yeah, what, she, what can she do? She has no papers. She has no... She has no money. She has no idea how lying works. Which is... Just ripe for taking advantage of. If her technology ever fails on Earth, mm-hmm. she would be definitely taken off to some lab at some point. Like if she ever stopped passing as human. Yeah, yeah I assume that she still has contact with her people and could call them back. But, oh man. I hope so. Now I like it a lot less when you point all these things out because that's just like all the triggers, like all the the red flags of mm-hmm. like a manipulative and abusive relationship. Let's separate you from all the people you know. We don't even really know how old she is. No, that's true. That is true. I mean, all the Thermians present as young. There was no children or super elderly. I was more thinking she could be younger than she was presenting. Well, that's true too. So, yeah. Hmm. That's me bringing it down. Oh. It was funny. Those are great points, though. Like, that's that's pointing out where movies in general need to do better. Yeah. Because when we romanticize these plots, well, then you have normalized this story for women and men that the men whisks her away to his castle, his planet. Yeah. And... That's where they apparently live happily ever after, but he has all the power in that scenario. I would have much preferred it if they, like, 
decided to go their separate ways, and then at the last minute, he decided to stay. Because he does have agency in her world, because everybody, like, worships them, and he knows some of how their technology works, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it would have changed absolutely nothing. Well, he couldn't have appeared in, like, the next... The sequel of the show. But that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Great point. Uh, How did you like Guy's character? Which one was that? Guy. That was the red shirt? He dies in episode 81. Yes, the red shirt. Okay. Um, he was... He was good. I love him. He was... was, I I don't love him. I don't know. He was very much... What I would have been in that scene. Like, if I stay, I'm probably going to die. But if I go, I'm probably going to die. That's, I yes. mean, that's what I would be thinking. I I also loved him for pointing out all of the things. Like, he even has the line, Did you ever, did any of you ever actually watch the show? <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. Like, when they land on the planet, he's like, Don't open that. Is there air out there? Can we breathe? I mean, it turns out fine, but it's like, yes, that is what you should actually do when landing on a strange planet. Are you like, did you check the atmosphere contents before opening the door? So I just I thought he was was hilarious. He was a great nod to all the red shirt characters. And he pointed out things like, you know, um, am I actually a character on the show? Do I have a last name? Which, if you ever look at credits for a show, they do that. Like, the less important the character, they just maybe get a first name <laughs> because it's mentioned. Mm-hmm. And they don't. the character doesn't actually have a last name and all those kinds of things. So, I do love his character. And then I love that he gets to be, like, the security chief on the sequel. Mm-hmm. At one point, somebody yells at him, like, you're not your character. This isn't the show or something, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have a last name. <laughs> That's right. I think it's uh, Tech Sergeant Quan. Uh, Is that his last name? I don't know uh, any yeah, of Quan. names. Uh, Fred Quan, uh, the engineer, who suggests to him, maybe you're not the, you know, the guy who dies. Maybe you're the plucky comic relief. Did you ever think about that? And... Like, taking this to, like, a serious um, connection, I like the fact that they point out that you can cast yourself in a role. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you don't have to be limited. If you're in a, a pattern of negative thinking about yourself, you can, you can change that. It's a very optimistic sci-fi Star Trek sort of message. Just in case we didn't go into it well enough... I just want to really say that Sigourney Weaver is magical and can do no wrong. And I love her. I have a slight problem with her. Because uh, she wore a blonde wig for this role. And she said every time she put the blonde wig on, she could feel her IQ dropping. Which is bashing blondes, which I'm not cool with. Blondes can be smart. But other than that, yes, she is wonderful. I love her in Alien, although it's been decades since I've seen that show. Since I've seen the film. You should watch it again. It's really good. Yeah, I should. However, like, sci-fi horror with scary aliens and small children do not mix. Yes. I saw it when I was quite young. I mean, older than your kids, but I was still quite young. I don't yeah. think I'd reach double digits. Oh, really? I think I'd reach double digits. But, yeah. <clears throat> My older sister is a very big fan of the franchise. So I've seen it a lot. Okay, then. Which, I just mean that's why I saw it so young. Because she's older. Right. I was following. It's okay. Uh, what else do we want to say about Galaxy Quest? Um, I can't believe it was made in 1999. That's almost 20 years ago. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, should we get into a few more of the listener questions? Yeah. Okay. 
So we had a few sent in this morning. Let's start with Becca's question. On Twitter, she's at the underscore Becca Eller. And she wanted to know our favorite character, our favorite scene. Did you laugh out loud at any point? So Kate, did did you laugh out loud? I was watching by myself in a small room. Yeah, see, I was laughing out loud the whole time watching by myself. But it's because I've seen it so many times, I think that helps. I may have um, had a little like, uh, no, that was so bad. <laughs> you know, like a little laugh <laughs> at um at the the squeaky ship part. <laughs> I'm more of like okay. a laugh in a group person when I'm watching a movie. And I find when there's a comedy that you're watching for the first time, it definitely does help to watch it with people. Mm-hmm. So I can see that. I won't hold that against you. And okay. It's hard for me to pick the favorite scene because there's so many. I mean, I already talked about mine. there's. I know, I know. I I'd love the the one where look around you. Can you function? Can you fashion a rudimentary lathe when guys trying to help Jason? Which is an, a direct nod to Arena. Um, this episode was badly written. I love that one too. Uh, does the rolling help? Uh, We quote that all the time at our house for different things, especially with small children when they're doing something. It's like, does the the insert crazy child behavior here help? Uh, (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so we, we quote this movie quite a lot. I don't know that I can pick one scene above the others that is a favorite. Um, And favorite character? Like I said, I love Guy's character Mm -hmm. and Gwen's character. Those are definitely my top two. And if you're going to force me to pick one, I'm going to pick Gwen. How about you? I mean, I didn't feel particularly attached to any of the characters. I'm very attached to some of the actors. Oh, no. Like, they're all good. Okay. I I, I honestly, I just, I, I don't have an opinion. Shall we move on to Christine's question? I I do like Sigourney Weaver. She's fabulous. I, but I think I've made that clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Christine at Geek C Dunbar, I think just wanted to wound us because she asks, how much do you miss Alan Rickman now? I keep forgetting. Oh, Christine. Christine probably did want to wound us. Um, I know. But I, I keep forgetting that he's dead until I see him in a movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm hmm. I I know my sister watched the movie this week as well because she listens to the podcast. And Mm -hmm. so she told me and she sent me a message. This is the first time I've watched it since he's died. I feel so sad. Yeah. I saw a Harry Potter movie last week. Oh. Kind (sighs) of. Poor Alan Rickman. Yeah. Well, poor us. We are the poor well, for his poor his family. Well, yeah. If, if, if we're going to rank how much we're impacted, then yes, his family would be first. They probably don't forget that he's dead. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. I'm sorry. Let's move on. This two moments of insensitivity <laughs> brought to you by Canada. <laughs> yep. Uh, Matthew Vose on Twitter at Matthew Vose also sent me some questions. Uh, would either of you change anything about the character or story that Gwen DeMarco gets? And what would you change, if anything, to add more gender and racial diversity? Would you change anything about Gwen's character and story? Um, okay. I would definitely change that she kisses Tim Allen. Nobody yeah, wants no that. kissing. She no. did not need romance. Oh. Like, there wasn't even really any romance. It was just they kissed at the end because it's a movie. Well, they followed that common sort of thing where, like, main man and main woman in, like, adrenaline situations, you know, hook up at the end. Eh. <laughs> I know. They. I, I don't think they had to do that. And, yeah, so I definitely get rid of the, the kissing at the end. And the romance in general. And 
I would have liked to see her take on more active part in saving the day. But I don't know that she could have done that while pointing out the ideas that sometimes our stories are written in a convoluted way to like just for a certain purpose and there's no logic behind certain obstacles that are faced. I don't know that she could have been making those comments while also being a more like active person in getting to the end. Cause she wasn't needed. Like when they're going through the bowels of the ship to press the button, she, there was no great purpose to having two people there instead of one person. Well, if one of them died, one of them would be there to carry on. Okay. She was back up. That's it. <laughs> yep. Do you have any more thoughts on changing um, her character or story? It's hard to say because they were doing like a specific thing. Like where they were parodying, parodying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Star Trek where the women didn't get to do a lot. So it's hard to say whether this was a conscious conscious choice for the parody or if this was just more uh bad right typical yeah good point i would like to imagine in my head that she goes on to have a more active role in the sequel of the show mm-hmm. and that her act her as an actor gets to write some episodes that are extremely well written yes and stops kissing to Melon. Yes, and yeah. That was just a one-time insanity. Yeah. Would we change anything to add more gender and racial diversity? Yes, because it is so stupid to have aliens masquerading as humans and have them all be fucking white. Yes, yes. And have them all be male and female when who even knows if that's a thing in their race. Yes. <sighs> yes. Um... Definitely I mean, yes the, to the all The cast those. of the show, I get, because again, of the parody. Mm-hmm. So I was I was okay with what they did there. Although, although again, same, previous point also applies. But the aliens, they could have done so much more worth. With. <sighs> although, the aliens were basing their appearance generators on the show. So, like, they didn't have a diverse view of humanity to look at. Right, okay, but there was that one, this sounds stupid to say, there was that one black character who I'm sure some of them were big fans of, so why would they not have based their appearance on him? True, true, and like, uh, Fred Kwan was yeah, supposed he's not to white, be right? not, well, it was Is one of those things, the actor, I don't know enough about him, um... Let me just look it up quickly. Okay, so he was born in America, but his father was originally from Lebanon. Okay. Um, but, like, they gave him the last name Quan on the show to suggest a mixed race background. Um, so, yeah, so they could have had a few people trying to emulate that appearance. Among yeah. the aliens. I tried to pay attention to some of the co- convention scenes in general. And it looked like they had some, like, a decent pool of extras of various, you know, sizes, shapes, ethnicities, genders. Although I feel like the group that we got to know was all white. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So people of color can go to conventions. They just can't say anything. No, no, no. They're only allowed to be there because they're trying to be more white, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So many problems. Uh, So yeah, I think they could have added more racial and gender diversity in a few ways. But they were constrained by the fact that it was a parody and they were trying to point out, in some ways, that lack of diversity. And But even that, like, they could have done more pointing it out. Yes, they could have totally done more pointing it out. And it's an interesting conundrum that I've been 
trying to come to terms with in my head. I listened to a podcast way too seriously. Um, they're also based from Canada, but on the other coast, the Newfoundland. The and wrong Jan coast. And, Jan and Paul Moffat look at children's movies and take them way too seriously. So they look at representations of gender and they look at... Yes, okay, um, I've heard of this, yes. Yes, yeah, I've mentioned it before. Mm -hmm. As a parent, I find it really enjoyable because I also take my children's media way too seriously. And one of the problems they point out is when sometimes a movie is subverting a stereotype, it's like, well, yes, but they still had to show you that stereotype first. Mm -hmm. And the only reason it's being used for plot effect here is because it's unusual. And it's still assuming that the normal is the stereotype. Yeah. And it's, I find the same sort of challenge with parody. I mean, it serves a purpose because it's making commentary on our existing culture. But to show this to, like, to my kids, it's also still reinforcing the stereotypes in, in some ways that it's commenting on. Yeah. Especially so, if young people are watching this who might not get the, the context and the depth. Exactly. Exactly. They you have to have not. a fairly mature um, understanding of what it's based on. It's like trying to watch Spaceballs before you've watched Star Wars, which I have done. I can't remember the order in which I watched them. To be honest, I definitely saw Spaceballs before I saw Star Wars, and then watched Spaceballs again afterwards. And I mean, I liked Spaceballs the first time I watched it, but it was much funnier the second time. Yeah, and even just the concept of that kind of parody in general is a more advanced humor. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Should we move on to a lighter question that Matthew also asked us? Yes. So he also asked us, is Tilly basically a member of the Galaxy Quest crew in Discovery? Okay, so I love this. Because it's a delightful question. I have basically decided in my head Mm -hmm. That Tilly is just like you and me. She is from today. And she oh. is stuck on this ship. And she has to learn and pretend. <laughs> and like, I have this idea for staying up late all night reading these engineering manuals. <laughs> and like, <laughs> saying all this gobbledygook, even though <laughs> she doesn't know what's going on. So she it's is so good. She is Star Trek's biggest fan. Yeah, and she is passing in the yeah. Star Trek universe. Oh, that is kind of delightful. I love it so much. I want to go back to how Tilly is just like you and me, because I would love to hang out with Tilly. Yeah. I feel like she needs a bit of a big sister, and I would be her big sister. I would be like, no, Tilly, don't go to the strange man doing drugs alone. <laughs> I will stay sober and watch you to keep you safe. <laughs> Things like um. that. I would not be a good big sister. That's why you need me there. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one staying sober holding your coats and purses, okay? Oh, then I'd feel so bad. <laughs> it's okay, Kate. It's okay. All right. In this situation, I would drunkenly apologize to you a lot. That's okay. That's okay. If we're having a stay-home party, I will drink with you. Okay, okay. I mean, okay. I've seen you do that, so yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, I don't know that Tilly is a member of the Galaxy Quest crew in Discovery, but she definitely could be Star Trek's biggest fan. Well, there's so many levels to this question. So, like, is Tilly a, a member of the Galaxy Quest crew in that she secretly has the answers to everything inside of her. She just has to remember them. Is she a member of the Galaxy Quest crew in the way that I was describing, that she's actually an actor from today who's gotten caught up in things way above her pay scale? Is she a member of the Galaxy Quest crew in that she just doesn't understand what is going on around her? <laughs> I love how you've broken out those layers, especially where you're like, she's an actor way above her pay scale. <laughs> That's... Yeah. And it could also be like, is she bringing the the parody aspect into Discovery? Yeah. Like, is, is Tilly she? there, like, to sometimes point out those, like... This would explain it, why she was swearing. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of swearing, they dubbed out the swearing in Galaxy Quest so they could rate it PG. So there's moments where you can see the the lips clearly are saying something else. And it's because they shot it and they shot it as a much darker movie and then basically recut it and did some dubbing to take out some words and made it much more of a comedic movie. Interesting. Yeah, uh, this reminds me actually that I have been hearing some little tidbits about Discovery that I want to throw in at the end. You know, we had an announcement section at the top. Yeah, but I had forgotten about it when I was like, do we have announcements? This could be like our little spoiler section at the end. Announcements part two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, Matthew, thank you for that question. I do love it. I do think Tilly could definitely be like a Galaxy Quest crew member in Star Trek. And now I have to go rewatch some Discovery with this framework in mind. Imagining her as from the here and now. Yeah. Doing her best to fit in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so I think that wraps up our talking about the show. Do we want to do recommendations next, or shall I fill people in on the tidbits of Discovery? Do your tidbits. Okay. So a few things that I have read on the unofficial fan page on Facebook... And I'm trying to dig up the specific things so I don't misspeak. One thing I do know is that the writers are writing the next season right now. And that they may be filming in two or three weeks. Apparently as well, uh, uh, Shazad Latif Mm -hmm. was at the Empire Awards Mm -hmm. and confirmed he'll be back for season two. He says we start again in May. We get scripts late, probably the night before we start filming. God, that must suck. um, Another person posted that they saw Sonequa Martin-Green at a convention, and Mm -hmm. she said that we are going to meet Pike's crew, but wouldn't say if a certain Vulcan would be among them, so she wouldn't say if Spock was going to be there. The showrunners have previously said that they weren't going to do Spock, but maybe they were just talking about season one. That could have been. And the other thing that I've seen that I can't find here, maybe that one was on Twitter, was that people were asking about the look of the uniforms. Because, of course, from seeing the cage, the uniforms looked really different. And so apparently they were working on something to do with the uniforms maybe trying to marry the styles together, or I don't know. There's a thing I could care less about. So, like, if they show us the Enterprise and the crew, would you want to see them in Discovery-style uniforms? Oh my, I wouldn't care at all. Whatever. You wouldn't care at all. I have zero opinion. Okay. And I'm rolling my eyes a little bit about people who do have opinions. (laughs) It's a TV show, people. But continuity matters to people, No, it doesn't. (laughs) Oh, to people, yeah, sure. (laughs) Not to you. Not to the show. I mean, give me... I matter if it's good. Mm, Yeah. And I mean, they've changed uniform styles several times throughout Star Trek. They've even, like, transitioned it within TV... Like, within Deep Space Nine. The style of uniform changed. And with, like, as you watch the Star Trek Next Generation movies... The style of uniform changes and things like that. And in real military, the uniforms they wear sometimes change as well. So I don't have a problem with it changing. I just... if The style of uniforms they've picked are very, very different. So I'm not sure how one goes from one to the other. Because usually redesigns for uniforms and things like that aren't a huge departure from what you've had in the past so yeah i am happy people (laughs) care so there you go that's the bits i've heard sadly i have still not heard any sort of timeline on when the next season will begin but i am hopeful that we might get it this calendar year in 2018 oh i'm not hopeful i i am hopeful for january 2019 
That is my prediction. That's your prediction? Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could peg it down to a month, but maybe October 2018? No, it's March, man. They haven't even started filming. Well, well, they start I filming in May. They might not be filming at all beforehand, like the way they did with the first season. Yeah, I don't know. I guess if they do want to film it all beforehand, then you're right, probably January next year. Okay, do you have any recommendations? Yes, I'm going to do the one that I didn't do last week. Oh, okay. And that I recommend everybody out there play the new Zelda game, Breath of the Wild. It is very fabulous and a really, really good game to play while uh, listening to a lot of podcasts. Because you just sort of wander around a lot and collect mushrooms. Well, all right. Um, I will make a recommendation of a podcast that you could listen to while playing Zelda Breath of the Wild Mm -hmm. and it's a fairly new podcast it's called Forever 35 I just started listening to it so I don't remember the hosts names yet but it's two women and it's kind of like a beauty and self care podcast and then they also interview other women uh they're both writers, and uh, the ones I've noticed so far, they've interviewed other women writers. And so, like, the one that I just listened to, I think it's the most recent episode, their guest was saying how she also does things like knitting, and she writes letters once a week to her, uh, to one of her great aunts, I think, and other people as well, and how she has, like, these rituals that help take care of herself, and then also went into like her particular beauty rituals and they reminisce about how they learned about beauty routines and things like that. And, and it's good. I like it. I enjoy it. What if Um, you are not yet 35? I think that you can aspire to be in this age bracket. All right. I mean, I think I'm in the bracket. I'm just not 35 yet. I think you would enjoy it. Okay. I think Kate would enjoy it. If you're listening to our podcast and you're not in this age bracket, you might not appreciate it as much. Um, If you don't remember Sassy Magazine and Teen Magazine and things like that, um, you might not enjoy some of their throwbacks. But I always find it interesting because it's not just beauty self-care. That's not their sole focus. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also like set an intention for next week. And I guess one of them is going through a career transition. So she's going through like how she's having to like set up her home office and things like that and purge old things and all of those sorts of things that we deal with that can weigh us down. And, and yeah, I'm finding it super interesting and enjoyable to listen to when I should be studying. Yeah, I was just going to say, I have quite the podcast backlog at the moment, so I don't necessarily know that I'm looking for anything more. But some of our listeners might be interested. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have quite the video game backlog. <laughs> I also don't think you own any system on which you could play Breath of the Wild, so my recommendation to you is a little bit lost. True, true. The last video game I specifically played just on my own, I believe was on the original PlayStation. Just, just. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Give you a time frame for how long ago that was. But you've talked about playing Halo. Yeah, but I played that with my husband, so if I can oh, count okay. that, oh, then yes. I see, Xbox I see what you're saying. Xbox 360. Okay, I see what you're saying, by yourself. Yes, yes. What was uh, it? It was a game called Summoner, an RPG oh, okay. game. Yeah. yeah, very fun. But I want to play some Halo again. I think we're done. Yes, I think we're done. I've been Jen. And I've been Caitlin. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at own at gmail.com. Or on Twitter, we are at own. Or you can check out our Instagram, which is instagram.com slash own. You mix it up on me every week. Yes, I do. <laughs> Because I only have plans in the script. (laughs) Bye.
Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Oh, I start. Yep, yes, I you forgot. start. <laughs> the no- okay. It's only Sorry. been a week, Kate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Welcome to... Okay, so I'll re-record this so you can edit accordingly. So, Kate, I'd, how did you enjoy Galaxy Quest? No, I can't use that. I can't use that. We're just laughing for no reason now. Okay, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I can do this. Statistics. Uh, not I can, all of them. I can, okay, I can cut all this out. Oh, whatever. Well, I think I, I came I, across uh, kind of dumb there, so I might just... <laughs> <laughs> okay.